Hello. All right. Um, okay. So my, I'm going to be preaching about in conformity, like going against the flow and um, rule of, of society. So I, w I was talking to this guy once in school all those years ago, and he was, he was talking about uh, maybe he might be moving back to his hometown, um, and he said that if he ever did, he would have to get a mullet. I was like, what? What, what are you talking about? Where'd that come from? And he said that he'd have to get a mullet because everyone back where he came from had one. And I'm like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, mullets went out of style like 50 years ago. Um, and he said that, like, and he said, like, you can't be different. You have to be the same. You can't be different. And he said it like he actually believed it. Like, he believed everyone had to be the same or, I don't know, like everyone has to conform to the norm. I don't know <coughs> what made him believe this. I don't know where he even got this idea because it's actually against human nature. But I do know of a guy who has something to say about that. Let's hear a shout out to Paul up in heaven. Um, so Paul wrote a lot of the Bible, well, the New Testament, um, and... 2,000 years ago, he wrote a letter to the Roman church. I, I don't know how much you know about ancient Romans, but um, they were pretty mean to lesser people. They didn't really think they were, like there was a system of how important humans were and lesser people you know, got fed to lions. Um, and they had a lot of unhealthy habits and a lot of the, tr uh, the stuff they did was based on physical pleasure and, you know, stuff that only lasts a few moments. Today, when people are normal, it means to look down on lesser people, um, uh, liking and not liking all the same things, like, I don't know, you see stuff on social media, everyone likes the same thing. Um, and society today says it's okay to not like someone uh, to curse your enemies, leave people who are in need be in need, and sometimes even look out for only yourself. And like ancient Rome, a lot of trends and habits are based on physical pleasure and, you know, how you look and stuff. So evidently what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago is still very relevant today. And he said that the way the world lives and the way it works um, isn't what God wants for us. Um, he said not to conform with the world, but pretty much break its rules. So if you've brought your Bibles, normally Josh has, yeah, um, uh, it's going to be really easy to go through it today because we're only in one page, but there's a lot on that page. There's a lot of awesome stuff in the book of Romans. Um, so if you've got it, turn to Romans chapter 12. It's a really awesome, it's a really awesome chapter. I've, like all week it's been like, wow. Um, okay, so um, the scriptures I have are kind of a mixture of the message and the NIV Bible. Um, so in chapter 20, our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. That's like 
the opposite of what we'd want to do. If you see your enemy hungry, you go laugh at him. That's what the world says. Um, and bless them. I, I, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Like, I mean, I don't really now. People I don't like, I'm not, it's not the first thing on my mind. And in the message Bible, it says, don't curse anyone, not even under your breath. Like when, you know, talking to someone is one thing and then talking, you know, behind their, when they're not around, that's another thing. But then under your breath, that's a whole other thing. Don't even curse them there. And I'm guilty of that, especially when, like, mum's like, hey, Amy, do you want to go take out the laundry? No, I don't, but, you know. Because um, our laundry is, like, out, outside. It's really far away, so it's <laughs> way out of my comfort zone. Um, so in um, verse 1 and 2, Paul said that our our bodies should be a living sacrifice to God. So, you know, um, it's why we don't drink until we throw up and then keep on drinking. And like, like the Romans did, they ate until they threw up and then they keep, keep on eating, which is not healthy and it's hurting ourselves. And we should respect ourselves and the people around us. Um, in verses 4 to 8, I'm summarizing it and paraphrasing it, but um, it says we shouldn't try to be the same as each other, but we should use our differences accordingly and happily. Um, in verses 11 and 13, always be passionate for the Lord and the work and His work you do, and befriend the nobodies. Be willing to associate with people of lower positions. I I could go on, but you know you get the idea that that God's rules and well, not rules, but his ways are some of the exact opposite of societies. So everyone, everyone close your eyes for a minute. If it makes you feel awkward, that's okay. The people around you are doing the exact same thing. Um, I mean, I did tell you not to conform, but, you know, just, just this once. Um, so imagine this. Imagine a world where people didn't try to get even or get revenge, but they were kind to the people who did that and who did it to them first instead. Imagine a place, like imagine if everyone in Port Lincoln or even just the people in this room would befriend the nobodies. Like, you, you wouldn't, it would be so different. Imagine if you celebrated the things that made you different, if you did the things you love and you did them for a good reasons, God reasons, God's reasons, right? And... Yeah, um, let's pray. God, um, thank you for the way you made us individually and wonderfully and fearfully made. Uh, thank you that we're all different and we all fit together perfectly in your plan. Um, amen. <coughs> Okay, so my message is called, There's No Monsters Under My Bed. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so the struggle starts way too early in the morning. Waking up every day for school can be a nightmare. Although there is always someone you can't wait to see, there is always someone you can't stand to see. 
Then there's last night's homework due that you haven't finished. You've used the good old classic, the dog ate my homework, excuse too many times, and the teacher won't fall for it this time. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Okay. <laughs> Chelsea. Plus, the bathroom's always disgusting. Um, no, at school. Yeah, gosh. No. Um, there are always rules. Take those headphones out, put your phone away, no talking in class. Then there are the other unwritten rules that determine your social status as either a freak, a weirdo, an outcast, or a popular person who everyone wants to hang around with. The hierarchy of public rank can be dramatically changed by almost anything from simply tripping over to acing an exam or a test. Oh, my head hurts. I'm too fat. I have a cold. <laughs> I'm moody. I'm angry. My hormones are raging. Anything to get out of having to go. Being a teenager or a... <laughs> Being a teenager or a 12 11 or 10-year-old is very complex and difficult. Along with these difficult positions are the monsters underneath our bed. The fear of not being good enough, being weak, rejection, temptation, past, past failures, discouragement, anger. They whisper to you in the middle of the night saying you're not good enough, that you can't... That... Oh... <clears throat> You can't have that or you can't resist me. It's time to stand up. Uh, wait, shh. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I did wrote that, okay. It's time to stand up now and face your giants by the same tactics that God gave to, gave to David. David taught us how to face our own giants. Are you ready? Yeah, thank you. To discover how to face giant challenges today. To overcome all the deception of the devil in your lives to cut off the head of the enemies. No, that's it. Yeah, no, I just got Leanna to say that. Um, <laughs> when was the last time you did the same? How long since you ran towards your challenge? When you're only nine, your monsters don't always come in giant sizes like David's Goliath, but they are still pretty hard to ignore. The midnight rustling in your closet or under your bed, or the kid who picks on you at school, David hears Goliath defying God and he chooses himself five smooth... Oh, wait, sorry. I'm going to read a story that I found on the internet. Okay. David hears Goliath defying God and he chooses for himself five smooth... Uh, he puts them in his shepherd's pouch that he has and his sling in his hand. He draws near to the Philistine. David shows up discussing God. The soldiers mention nothing about him. The brothers never spoke his name. But David takes one step onto the stage and he raises the subject of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he would deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. When the giant mocks David, he replies, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The day, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut your head off. Today I'll give you the carcasses of Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All of those gathered here will know that there is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves 
for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David's brother covers David's brothers cover their eyes, both in fear and embarrassment. King Saul sighs as the young shepherd boy races to certain death. Goliath throws back his head in laughter, just enough to shift his helmet and expose a square inch of his forehead. David spots the target and seizes the moment. The sound of the swirling sling is the only sound in the valley. The stone torpedoes into the skull. David's eyes cross and his legs buckle. He stumbles to the ground and dies. David runs over and yanks Goliath's sword from its sheath and cuts his head off. Um, being so afraid of making a mistake that you never try anything, that icky name that you can't shake, monsters, every one of them, but they shrink right down once you realise that you never, ever have to face them alone. 1 Samuel 17 verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered the armies for battle and assembled at S-O-C-O-H, that place. Okay, my first point, and I have three just for you, Katie. Three. Um... Plunging into the source of power. God's people in the Bible had been empowered by God through the outpouring of his anointment, anointing power. 1 Samuel 17 verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. David did not say that he delivered his flocks from the lion and the bear, but he said the Lord who delivered me. Everyone say, the Lord who delivered me. The Lord is the source of David's power. All our electrical appliances, including phones, will be useless unless connected to the source of an electrical power. A life does not have a greater purpose if it is not connected to the source of our power, which is God. Um, um, God keeps his promises. He has promised us our sins are covered and forgiven if we accept Jesus sacrifice on the cross. God in the end does want, does want the best for us, but the best doesn't always mean he'll make things easy for us. We have to learn to trust God and his word. There isn't a promise in the Bible that God hasn't kept. He has promised us that all things will work for good for those who love him. Romans 8 verse 28. So even if we find ourselves in dire situations, we can trust God to keep his promise and make things work for good. Um, my second point is your giant is calling. Instead of hiding with fear under the blankets, rush towards your giant with a God-saturated soul. Amplify God and minimise Goliath. How long since you have loaded your slingshot and took a swing at your giant? Too long, hardly ever or never. Then David is your model. God called him a man after my own heart. Acts 13 verse 22. He gave the name to no one else, not Abraham or Moses or Joseph. He called Paul an apostle, John his beloved, but neither was tagged a man after my own heart. We need David's story. Giants lurk in the neighbourhoods too. Rejection, failure, revenge, remorse. We must face them. Yet we need not face them alone. Focus first and foremost on God. The times David did, giants fell. The days he didn't, David fell. My third and last point is defeat your giant. To be able to defeat our own giants with God, we need to be aligned with him, heart and mind. Alignment can be corrupted by the spirit of the world. Alignment can be ruined by the twisted power of the flesh. Alignment can be hindered by the work of the devil. To allow Christ, we need to move from darkness to the kingdom of God. 
Colossians 1 verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, his, of the Son of his love. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides by me and I in him bears much fruit. For, me, for without me you can do nothing. And there's three steps to this. The first one is repentance. Turning a change, turning, comma, a change, comma, a new direction. Second point is faith, an active energy or believing, trust or surrender. Three, confession, a confession with your mouth of salvation. Romans 10 verse 9 to 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To align with Christ, it is to have salvation, to be born again and to be transplanted. Out of confusion and into new. <laughs> Slaying the monsters. Ah! Oh. <laughs> um, something. Um, Slaying the monsters hanging underneath, underneath the bed. So go kill them.